Coming up on this week's episode of the EV Resource Podcast, Lordstown Motors unveils their Endurance EV pickup truck, Nikola started accepting pre-orders for their own Badger EV pickup, Byton suspends operations due to financial concerns, and more. Happy 4th of July weekend to those of you who are in the States. Welcome back to another episode of the EV Resource Podcast. I'm Zach Hurst, and each week I bring you the latest EV news, information, and answer your questions about electric vehicles. I want to welcome James Hart to the EV Resource family. James has signed on as a producer of the podcast on Patreon, meaning that in addition to full access of the monthly EV Resource magazine, he will also be receiving this podcast a day earlier and receive some very well-deserved recognition every month for his contribution. James also has his own podcast I would encourage all of you to look into. It's the True North EVs podcast, available on Anchor, Spotify, Radio Public, and more. Just Google search True North EVs podcast and you'll find it. As always, I want to give a special thank you to Titan Auto and Tire in Mosley, Virginia for their support for this podcast. Titan is one of the very few independent shops that are qualified to work on EVs and hybrids, and from hybrids to Hummers, they fix everything. So we'll start off the news this week with some information about Lordstown Motors. If you remember, back in November, GM sold their Lordstown assembly plant to the then-new company, Lordstown Motors Corporation. This week, Lordstown Motors officially unveiled the Endurance electric pickup truck and plans to begin production early next year. Now, something that most people probably don't realize because it's not being reported in the news, uh, at least that I've seen all that often, is that the Endurance is not actually a creation of Lordstown Motors. The prototype for the Endurance was actually created three years ago by a company called Workhorse Group Incorporated. And so for the Endurance pickup truck, they have licensed the technology to Lordstown Motors. Now, in exchange for that, Workhorse Group Incorporated owns a 10% stake in Lordstown Motors and will receive a 1% commission on the first 200,000 trucks that are built. Now, the features of the Endurance are really going to be where it shines. It will include four in-wheel motors, 600 horsepower, 4,400 foot-pounds of torque, and a total range of 250 miles. And it looks like a standard pickup truck, and that's on purpose. Lordstown is going after the work truck segment, so they don't want something that's going to be too polarizing when it comes to design, i.e. the Tesla Cybertruck. The Endurance has its sights set squarely on the Ford F-150 pickup truck and companies that would have multiple vehicles in a fleet. On their website, Lordstown Motors has a total cost of ownership calculator comparing the Endurance directly to the Ford F-150. In addition to comparing the initial cost, you can also adjust the number of years owned for the vehicle, the total mileage per year, price per gallon, as well as the cost of electricity per kilowatt hour. And then it will report back the total fuel cost over the course of those years, maintenance cost, any federal tax credit that the Endurance will receive of $7,500. And then you can adjust the number of vehicles from 1 all the way up to 10. And what it will do is tell you the total cost of ownership over the course of the years that you input. So, for example, I put five years, an estimated of 50,000 miles per year, because, of course, if they're going after the work truck segment, 
those trucks are going to be putting a lot of mileage on them each year. Uh, estimated the cost of electricity to be $0.13 cents per kilowatt hour and the price per gallon at $1.99. Now, obviously, those things are going to vary, which is why on this calculator they allow you to modify that based on whatever happens to be true for the area that you live in. The initial cost for both vehicles is relatively the same. They have the endurance at 52500 and the Ford F-150 they're comparing to is the Lariat four-wheel drive, so the cost is 51775 just a little bit less. But after you factor in fuel costs and maintenance costs, the endurance over the course of five years will cost 59800 where the Ford F-150 total cost is going to be 84539 or a difference of $24,739 over the course of five years. Now, if you're a company that has a fleet of, let's say, 10 vehicles, you can multiply that by 10, and now you're looking at almost a quarter million dollars of savings by having the endurance versus the Ford F-150. Now, while a cost comparison like that is accurate and it is real when comparing something like the Endurance EV truck to the Ford F-150, which is going to be gas-powered, in the coming years, Lordstown is going to have a lot more competition to deal with than the internal combustion engine. Companies like Tesla with the Cybertruck, GM with the revival of Hummer as a, a brand, but going all electric, Ford is going to have their own Ford F-150 electric. Rivian with the R1T, of course, that's slated more towards the personal adventure market versus being a work truck. And then, of course, Nikola with the Nikola Badger pickup truck. And I guess that is as good of a segue as any, where Car and Driver reported this week that Nikola is finally taking deposits for the Badger. The company announced that reservation holders could place deposits on their vehicles starting now and that the vehicle will be shown off at Nikola World from December 3rd to 5th later this year, with the unveiling of the Badger occurring on December 4th. Now, unlike the rest of the electric trucks coming to market, most of which that I just mentioned, the Badger will be available both as a battery electric vehicle starting around $60,000 but also as a hydrogen fuel cell vehicle with a smaller EV battery pack to store the energy that will start at $80,000. Now, Nikola claims that the ranges will be 300 miles for the full BEV and 600 miles for the hydrogen fuel cell, which Nikola, with their semi, has made the case that for longer distances, increased range, that a hydrogen fuel cell is a really smart choice. The biggest argument against that, of course, is with the infrastructure. I have never seen a hydrogen fueling station. Of course, I'm in Richmond, Virginia, so chances are I'm not going to. I believe there's one in Virginia up in northern Virginia by Washington, D.C. If you're in California, I know that there are a lot more. So Nikola's really going to have to put forth an investment in the infrastructure if they hope to sell the fuel cell version of the Badger. Even then, with the all-electric version of the pickup truck, as a $60,000 vehicle, having a range of 300 miles is going to be competitive. Now, with automotive startups, waiting a long time for vehicles from when you put down a deposit to when you finally receive the vehicle at delivery is fairly common. But to sweeten the pot, Nicholas says that they will not only reduce the final price of the vehicle based on how much of a deposit you place, but that they will also match that amount. So what that means is if somebody places a $5,000 deposit on a Badger, the final price of the truck will be $10,000 less. 
depositors are also entered into a drawing for a free Badger pickup truck. Currently, Nikola is offering three deposit tiers. The $5,000 Honey package comes with two VIP tickets to Nikola World and 25 entries into the giveaway. I think it's great that they're naming it the Badger and the package is Honey, so Honey Badger, which is just fantastic. The next package is the $1,000 Predator package, and that secures the person paying the deposit two tickets to the event and five entries to win a free one. And then finally, the $250 Instinct package comes with a single ticket to Nikola World and a single entry to win the pickup. Now, for the truck itself, in addition to having 906 horsepower and 980 pound-feet of torque, Nikola says that the truck will have unusual features, including waterproof displays and a hidden fridge. Now, if you want to reserve a Badger yourself, you can head over to NikolaMotor.com, and I'm sure they would be very happy to take your deposit. The next bit of news I have for you is, unfortunately, some sad news. Uh, Byton, who is a Chinese EV startup, they are having to halt their current operations for at least six months due to financial problems that have been exacerbated by the COVID-19 pandemic, they confirmed in a report to The Verge earlier this week. This comes after employees of Byton in China have also complained that they are collectively owed millions of dollars while the company struggled to complete a $500 million funding round. Now, I had reported on Byton and their M-Byte back in the second episode of the EV Resource Podcast, and actually at that time went ahead and reserved my own M-Byte. Uh, it's a vehicle that I was really excited about, so this is really sad to see that they're having some financial trouble. Byton has already furloughed hundreds of workers in the North American headquarters in Silicon Valley back in April, and all but admitted that the M-Byte would be delayed again due to the impact of the pandemic. And all this being despite that they are backed by China's oldest state-owned automaker, First Auto Works, and having an already completed a new manufacturing factory in Nanjing, China, last year. So definitely a sad story. Uh, I guess at this point, we will have to wait and see what happens with Byton and the M-Byte. Will they survive or will they fall victim to financial trouble, just like we've seen a number of other EV startups? Uh, definitely, I would add to that list uh, Faraday Future, who who knows what's going on with them. Um, they've kind of dropped out of the news quite a bit, and I don't know if they've actually gone bankrupt and, and finally ended or not. Uh, and then the other question that I've posed before because of that uh, Jalopnik article a while ago about Karma Automotive, uh, while they do seem to be moving along with things, there was a report that they are going to lay off the majority of their employees as well. So unfortunately, it's just one of those things that starting a new company and bringing your first product to market is very difficult. And moving on from that, um, to try to liven the mood a little bit more, um, July 4th this year was the first time that Cars and Coffee here in Richmond had a chance to reconvene, and boy was it a turnout. There were hundreds of cars, most of them gas-powered, of course. We did have a few EVs, but I wanted to share with you guys some clips that I took from the event because it was certainly exciting and I saw for the first time a vehicle that I have never seen before. So I wanna share that with you as well. Hey guys, we're at Cars and Coffee, the first one since all of the coronavirus lockdown. And uh, it's really something special to show you all. 
This is a Cadillac ELR. It is an electric Cadillac, something that you will not see. And if you don't believe me, here's the charge port right there. This is a car that uh, I'm told is built off of the Chevy Volt platform with a lot of parts from the CTS, the ATS. Beautiful. Love it. Also, the, the, uh, yeah. Suspension and the brakes are the same as a Buick Cascada. Okay. All right. Man. Now the funny thing is, Love is it. that um, it's not. It's the other way around, though. The Buick Cascada borrowed from the ELR parts bin. No way. Okay. Because yeah. when they were making, when Opel was designing the uh, Cascada, uh huh, they want it was a heavier car because of the convertible. Of course. And, so that... and they custom made the ELR's platform because it's heavier than all the other Deltas. Yeah, they turned around and said, "Well, they've already invested all this money into the ELRs that had like five thousand extra leftover parts, uh -huh. parts bin, and thus they the uh, they borrowed them for the uh, Now, what battery pack is this using? Is it exactly the same as the Volt? Uh, what is exactly is the same as the Volt is literally the platform. Yep. Um, the battery pack, the whole Voltec system, the some of the dash cluster." Uh, and most electronics, but the entertainment, infotainment, uh -huh. it's all, all Cadillac, Cadillac Q. Stuff. Yep. Um, it's definitely, like I said, there's. this is as different as a Volt, as a Buick Cascada is to a Volt. Sure, sure. But Man. they're all on the same Delta platform. All right, well, there you go, guys. That is a very rare car. You said what, 2800? 2800, made 2014, they sold so badly. to make the 2016s better and sold 800 20, uh, 2016s. And what year is this? 14. Okay, so this is one of the first ones. This is one of the first ones. It's towards the end. Of, this is one of the last productions of the, the 2014. Wow. I will probably never see another one in my life. I think that's probably safe to say. Sure, sure. Well, buying a used... Car, you know, after it depreciates a little bit, is always a smarter idea, anyway. Uh, well, that's a great thing. A little bit's an understatement. <laughs> <laughs> well, for a car that nobody wanted to buy, I would imagine uh, you got a good deal. I paid 18 for it. Wow. Wow. Okay. Yeah, that's. <laughs> Holy crap. That's incredible. The high, the the, the fully loaded 2016 with less than 30,000 miles. All right, guys. That is the Cadillac ELR. Hope you like it. We have now a 2020 Model S dual motor. Oh, well, they're all dual motor, but uh, upgraded with the bigger sport wheels. And I love the color. It's actually a darker gray, matches the color of the car exactly. Uh, that is just probably one of the fastest cars here. And we've got a yellow Lotus Esprit over there, which of course is gonna be Pretty quick. I'll actually walk you guys around a little bit, see some of the non-EV cars. Uh, focus. Beautiful. I like this. This, believe it or not, is a Nissan Sentra. Um, obviously, heavily modified. The uh, owner was here. I was talking to him a little bit earlier, and he was saying that basically it's a result of boredom from being stuck inside. So. They uh, chopped it up and 
put some expanding foam in there, but this is a hatch from a Ford Escape that they, they put in there, it looks like. They still have the Escape uh, wording on there, but the, the owner that was standing here before said it actually drives very similar to the way it was before they started chopping it up. So there you go, probably the uh, most creative car here. Um, the usual Miatas. I'm not gonna walk around everywhere, but uh, I'm gonna go take, take a look at this Supra over here because I'm a Toyota guy by my heart. And that's just beautiful. Very beautiful cars. It's one thing about cars and coffee, you will see some of the most rare cars that you can ever find over here. We've got a R32 Skyline. Uh, Richmond actually is one of the few places that this is becoming not so common or not so uncommon anymore because we've got a company that actually imports cars from Japan. So a lot of people locally have decided they want to import the Skylines. Uh, Lotus Evora. This is probably one of the most beautiful cars that are here. That is just gorgeous. Um, and your normal run of BMWs that, no offense to people who love and drive BMWs, but I'm not impressed. BMWs just aren't, they don't do it for me. But the Supra, absolutely gorgeous, I love it. But I'm gonna head back over to the EVs because course that's why we're here uh, so now we've got a, a fairly decent representation we got that catalog that I sh shared with you guys a little bit ago the uh, 2020 Model S first generation Leaf that's Charles Carr uh, Bolt EV new gas I love it and of course my little Chevy Spark EV which I talk about way too much <laughs> but there it is and here's a few pictures. Of course, we did have a Ford C-Max join us, which is a plug-in hybrid. Uh, they joined us a little bit later. And then also the cutest, most adorable uh, little girl. And actually, I did get permission from the parents to take and share this photo. Um, but I was talking to Dad. He took this little mini car. It was originally 6 volts. He converted it to 12 volts, put a different battery and motor and everything. And the harness and everything are completely custom. He did custom paint on this and actually converted it to be a uh, remote controlled. So he was running around with his daughter. Of course, she is newborn. For those of you who aren't watching the YouTube video and you can't see it, she's a newborn. She can't drive herself. But uh, he converted this to remote control and was walking around with her. It's just the most adorable thing possible that you could find. And there was another person running around with their kid in a little remote-controlled electric car as well, a Porsche 911, which actually matched the dad's car. He had a real live Porsche 911, both of them the same color, so I thought that was pretty cool too. So that's a little bit from the event. Uh, of course, it was two, two – well, yeah, basically two hours we were there. A lot of people got there early, so I, was, I would say two and a half. Uh, but something to do early on July 4th and then get home for lunch. If you are listening to the audio-only version of the podcast, I would encourage you to head over to YouTube and you can look for this episode of the EV Resource Podcast to see all of this because really it, that part of the segment is really something that you want to see visually to go along with just me talking.
Okay, so that's all for the news this week. Uh, thank you for indulging me and throwing something personal in there. I hope that you got some enjoyment out of that. Um, I do have two questions, two EV questions to answer this week. These are actually some that were answered in this month, the July issue of the EV Resource Magazine. Uh, we put a FAQ page on there, and so I'm going to read you two questions from that. Um, the first one is, why are EVs so expensive? Um, and while I didn't address it directly in the magazine, I would say that EVs aren't, it's all relative, but, uh, getting past that point, uh, the answer that we put was batteries are the most expensive component of an electric vehicle as battery technology improves and battery costs come down. So too will the price of new EVs. That being said, however, that the used EV market is booming with all types of EVs right now. Uh, as an example, you can get a used Nissan Leaf for easily under $10,000 in many places around the United States, and even an older Tesla Model S for under $25,000. So for people that are typically going to ask the question, why are EVs most expensive? I think there's an underlying uh, idea that they're too expensive for them. Well, having a robust used EV market is really something where it puts these fantastic electric vehicles at a more affordable price point to get into the hands of people that are concerned when it comes to cost. For the people that are out there buying brand new EVs for $100,000, they aren't the ones asking this question. Uh, they're not saying that they're expensive. You know, you go out and spend one hundred dollars or $200,000 on a Porsche Taycan that's not an individual that's going, well, geez, this is too too expensive. Um, the people that are asking that question are the ones that can really benefit most from having a used EV. The other question uh, that I wanted to cover was, when should I trade in my aging gas vehicle for an electric vehicle? And I love this question because really, for many people, it comes down to cost per month. Uh, this is a question that I addressed for myself before buying my Chevy Spark EV. Uh, I was driving around a gas-powered Honda Civic. My wife drives a Volkswagen GTI, which takes premium gas. Um, if you look at your current vehicles and you combine the total amount of money that you spend on the vehicle payment, if you have one, how much it costs to refuel, maintenance, um, a lot of the times people will look at the year's worth of maintenance and then just pull that down to, um, you know, a monthly average. Um, all of that, insurance, everything, every dime that you spend on your vehicle, and then try to do your best to calculate how much it would cost with an EV. Um, in my case, I was looking at the really spending $300 a month or so on gas. Well, the car payment itself along with uh, any expected maintenance of things, really put the uh, the Spark, the Chevy Spark EV, at the same price point or a little bit less. So I didn't have to get rid of my Civic. I kept the Civic, although it's been sitting in the backyard for over a year. Um, the Spark, just every month that I'm driving that, it ends up saving us money. So what I would say is do the math. If it makes sense for you, pull the trigger, go ahead and either trade in your, your aging gas vehicle or uh, keep it and just go out and buy an additional car. You got to do what makes sense for you. Um, but ultimately, it comes down to the finances for most people. 
One little announcement before we go. Uh, the EV Resource Magazine for July is up for the Patreon subscribers. If you are interested in exclusive content, some really special articles that you won't find anywhere else, this month we did a review of the 2019 Nissan Leaf SL Plus, as well as ProPilot. Um, things that you should know before buying a used EV. Uh, lots of great stuff in there. If you want to be a subscriber, it's $1 a month minimum. Of course, you can always choose to uh, support the EV resource efforts um, with more than that. But just to receive the magazine, it's $1 a month. Uh, so not much. Uh, you could probably find that in the cushions of your couch. Uh, so throw it our way and we'll make sure that you get a lot of great value at, uh, out of that. A lot more in that magazine than just what's worth $1. But we wanted to try to almost give it away, if that makes sense. Okay, so that is all for this week. Uh, thank you very much for listening and watching. Um, and, and really, thank you to everybody who supports the show, uh, especially those that are our subscribers, producers on Patreon. Uh, I invite your feedback. You can always email at hello at ev-resource.com. Uh, if you're watching on the YouTube channel, please like, subscribe, go ahead and leave a comment on the video. And if you want to listen to any of the previous shows audio only, you can find them on the webpage under the podcast section and on really many of, if not all of the major podcast platforms. Any reviews that you guys can give on Apple Podcasts specifically would go a long way to help more and more people uh, find the EV Resource Podcast, just the way Apple works with their algorithms. The more people interact with the podcast, the higher up it goes in the rankings. Um, always, always, I invite you to come say hi on social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. We're there, even LinkedIn. Uh, so come say hi. Thank you so much for being with me this week, and we'll catch you next time.